Hello and welcome to Movies on the Side. This is Stephen Robles. And this is Nate Baranowski. And this week, we review the 2006 movie Mission Colon Impossible III, or three. <laughs> <laughs> you like that? We go to Romance Corner and discuss Julia and Ethan Hunt's relationship. In my opinion, one of the best. We discuss Philip Seymour Hoffman as one of the best Mission Impossible villains. We talk about the nice mix of action and as I call it, shooty shooty in this movie. <laughs> All this and more on Movies on the Side. Nate, we are continuing our journey of eventually cataloging all of the Mission Impossible movies. I realized after watching this entire franchise in the last month or so, because I've exposed my children to all of them, that it's one of my favorites. I think this is a really good franchise. And this one, Mission Impossible 3, is really when it changes over to the Mission Impossible we all know and love. Yeah, it really is the the turning point. But I have to say, I do kind of wish we had grouped all of our Mission Impossible episodes all together. But instead, we have created a, <laughs> a hodgepodge, uh, a, a scavenger hunt <laughs> yes. to find all the Mission Impossible movies. But maybe maybe this is good because maybe it would be too much. Right, too much Ethan Hunt. Mission Impossible all at once. Too much Scientology. Do you ever think about Tom Cruise and Scientology when you watch these movies? I do. I do. <laughs> I do think about whenever there's some like close up really like laughy tom cruise i think about yes. him as a person maybe not necessarily about scientology but i think about what he is like in just everyday life yeah i actually have the rotten tomatoes page pulled up right now and the picture at the top is kind of a close up of his face and he's just staring intently i'm just thinking mm-hmm. you thinking about scientology right now <laughs> what are you are you thinking about your ot level i don't know he has got some intense stares he does. Okay, Rotten Tomatoes. This has got higher ratings than Mission Impossible 2, which we recently discussed, and which is a weird Mission Impossible. Well, I have already forgotten that Rotten Tomatoes, so I'm going in fresh. Yeah. So what, what do you think this one got from critics? I think the Mission Impossible 3 got a 76% critics. Ooh, that's pretty good. 71 critics. Mm-hmm. And audience actually got lower for some reason. Ooh, okay. Kind of lower score. That, that, 68 very close 69 yes i would say Mm. you got you you got that one nate you have said previously that this is possibly your favorite yes mission impossible movie is that accurate it is accurate and after watching it yesterday on the plane with extra oxygen pumped into my lungs uh (laughs) it holds up it's still my favorite really yep Uh, okay re-watching it I will admit that it was better than I remember. It is a very good Mission Impossible movie. It's got the aspect of you think this is the bad guy, but this other guy is actually the bad guy. Yep. Spo- you know, no spoiler horn this episode. So if you haven't seen it, you know, this we're just yeah, spoilers. But you got the bad guy switcheroo thing. You have the introduction of Ethan Hunt's wife, which they do get married in this movie. I forgot. Like they actually elope. Yep. And so, like, this is literally his wife. You have that whole backstory. You have, I will say, probably one of the most harrowing villains in a Mission Impossible movie. So good. I enjoyed Henry Cavill as a villain. Like, there's other good villains. The guy from Rogue Nation, 
who hey, talk like he talks like this. It's like a whisper the whole time. That guy was a great villain too. But Philip Seymour Hoffman as a villain is probably one of the most sadistic oh. and like skin crawling villains of any Mission Impossible. He is excellent. Him saying those lines, which I'm not going to be able to like do a great impression. Maybe you put a clip in here, but him being like, mm-hmm. "You have a girlfriend, you have a wife." <laughs> <laughs> it's, yes. I'm gonna make her. I'm gonna hurt her. I'm gonna. Toilets. You have a, a wife, girlfriend. Because you know what I'm gonna do next? I'm gonna find her. Whoever she is, I'm gonna find her and I'm gonna hurt her. It cuts to your soul. There's a super close up. I think it's on the plane. And the lighting is just right where it lights the tips of Philip Seymour Hoffman's eyelashes. Yes. And it's the camera is right in his face. And he was like, oh, that thing I did to that blonde uh, girl that you knew. Yeah, it was it was fun. Oh, it was fun. The way he did it was like, oh, lights. my goodness. <laughs> the way he talks in this movie. Again. It's just harrowing. But the part that I loved is when they actually capture him, which is a great capturing scene. It's one of those great, like, in the bathroom, they switch him out, and the voice thing doesn't work quickly. It's, like, uploading, and Tom Cruise is, like, coughing or whatever. And then you hear the voice, like, sound funny when he, like, finally talks. Okay, go. Uh, Fine, wait outside. But when they capture him, and they bring him up in that plane... Mm-hmm. Philip Seymour Hoffman asks Ethan his name. Like, what's your name? Right. And Ethan is smart enough not to give it. But then Ethan Hunt goes crazy and makes this guy hang from the bottom of the plane. Obviously, he looks a little scared, but still, like, much less reactive than he should be. But because he's Philip Seymour Hoffman, he's doing a great job. And Luther Stickle, again, one of our favorite characters in the series, yells Ethan's name. And then when Ethan finally brings him up from the <laughs> and closes the plane door, and Philip Seymour Hoffman's just like, Ethan. Oh, it's so good. Okay. It's so good. We really yes. jumped we we really jumped. Well, no, no, we jumped it, right in. We jumped say, right into it. We we jumped right in. Villain Philip Seymour Hoffman, um, who is I mean, yes, sad that he has passed away, but also sad from a, a movie standpoint because man, the guy can act. He can really act. He's very good. But yes, I think the best villain in the Mission Impossible movies. I am with you there. Also, last point on him. The escape, like when he escapes from the armored truck, that bridge scene, that's a pretty excellent action scene. Yeah, that was just amazing. So good. Those rockets, those oh. from, from the drone and Ethan being yeah. slammed into the car <laughs> yes. while running. Oh, so good. The only thing, if I'm going to pick nits from yeah, that yeah. scene, of course, of course. the only thing is when he has to get to philip seymour hoffman and there's like a burning car in the road and he has to jump over that hole yes and he throws his gun over top of it and then he does like a slow motion like throws his head back and just like dramatically looks like he's about to jump and there's barely any clips of him actually jumping over a hole right and it's like well that didn't you you didn't make that jump (laughs) that's a big hole it's a very big hole and i also feel like why didn't you just strap the gun around yourself and then jump like i don't know throwing it seems risky but anyway yeah what do you think because this is the first i don't know this is probably the only mission impossible movie where ethan hunts in like a relationship yes like he has a wife the other times you know there's interests and chemistry but he has like a relationship now and i feel like that 
he played that well. Like it added the level of tension throughout the movie. Like when he is mm-hmm. trying to get to her in the hospital, when yes. he knows that she is probably going to be kidnapped once Philip Seymour Hoffman escapes, that is like such a suspenseful scene. And oh, it was just so good. So good. This movie begins with a black screen and the sound of Ethan Hunt getting like shocked back or like tortured. Yes. And it begins the scene, which is so good. They basically played it back twice. (laughs) They really did. (laughs) Of Philip Seymour Hoffman (laughs) counting down. And this is one of the scenes where I think was probably in your head when you were thinking, do I show this to my children? Yeah, I forgot it was right at the top of the movie. And as soon as it came on screen, I was like, oh, poop. I just traumatized my kids. Oh, well. (laughs) (laughs) It is the acting from both Philip Seymour Hoffman, but impressively, the acting from Tom Cruise yes is top notch the way he flip-flops from like super confident and yep like i'm like gonna be agent facade yes. to like almost breaking and tearing up yes like back and forth several times like it's so good you put the gun down i'm not talking to you like this that's your choice or rabbit's foot's in paris you want to know where in paris to let her go i thought that as an opening to a movie, pre, you know, the credits rolling, so, so good. And it sets the tone for this whole movie. Like, hey, remember when you watched that John Woo Mission Impossible 2 and it was flying <laughs> doves and really cool action pieces? Yeah, this is not bad. This one's going to be one that's going to be a little more intense yes. emotionally. Let's just say at this point, too, the method by which Philip Seymour Hoffman, like, kills people in this movie, namely an explosive pill charge that... <sighs> He shoots up people's nasal cavities. Probably one of the most like terrifying ideas. Yep. <laughs> like, yep. The fact that something could be in your head and at any moment someone can just set it off. Yep. And like you have no recourse to pull it out yourself. That's scary. And it, again, just goes to his character. I thought it was weird when I went to the Verizon store and they had me do that in order for me to get 5G. <laughs> but, you know, I guess that's just sort of modern uh, carriers. Like we all got the 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 chip shot up her <laughs> nose but oh well oh see i got mine in the wrist I, mine wasn't in the nose but oh okay. you know what it's probably you have at&t <laughs> you know you would you would oh, also hate right. to see <laughs> what metro pcs do, does <laughs> it's barbaric <laughs> that's a good joke for 5 45 in the morning <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> but terrible any time later. Okay. Oh, that's great. So this episode, aren't they episode? This episode's off the rails. But this movie. Oh, th- it's getting you, isn't it? Sorry. The, wasn't expected that. Oh, cricket wireless. <laughs> it's, it's basically an enema. Okay, I'll talk Yeah. Okay. The movie starts with this super intense scene and then jumps back to this house party. Right. And so I think we should begin with Romance Corner, but I want to lightly slide into Romance Corner by talking quickly about this house party. Yes. Because there's something a little, (laughs) something a little funky here. Something's off, right? It's like the, uh, it's like the Jim Carrey Grinch's uh, Christmas party. (laughs) Like something's weird here. You know what it's like? It's like... A Michelob Ultra commercial of like, right? When friends hang out, the friends choose the beer with less calories. Right. But instead of it being like a forty-second thing, they stay on the party for five minutes, and you're like, "Yeah, this party's just full of 
models drinking beer. It's a lot of weird party stuff. Yeah, you expect someone to like shove a, a bottle of something into an ice bucket, you know, and yeah, you yeah. get that slow-mo ice. Thing. Crisp, refreshing. <laughs> when the mountains turn blue, Tom Cruise is ready for a mission. And when he needed an excuse to leave the party, we get a whole shot of Tom Cruise just throwing ice out in the backyard. And I'm like, I know ice melts, but I feel like if his wife walked outside, she'd be like, you said you needed to get ice. Saw a pile of ice. It, it looks like he threw the ice out the, <laughs> out the window. I mean, if that's so, the thing, strange. the keys are off to him being a, an agent. Uh, she's pretty good. Yeah. To this party for a second. Just for a second. Oh, yeah. He talks to a bunch of people that we never see again. We never see the sister again. Right. There is no connection to everyone. And I find that it's just strange kind of after the super intense scene. I love the juxtaposition of this party oh, yeah. in the past mm-hmm. because it's like puts you sort of at edge. But the party's like, all right, look, everything's fine. None of these characters come back in, which I think is a bit strange. But by the middle of this movie, I forget this scene had ever happened. Yeah. But I do have to say one part from this scene before we jump into Romance Corner as I'm, I'm slowly backing into it. Yeah. And one point in time, Julia is in the kitchen played by michelle monaghan yes she's talking to her friends and talking about how they met and i know this scene is meant to set up the fact that ethan hunt can read lips so he's like opening up a bottle of wine or something kind of nearby but he's looking at their lips and she's like yeah the the lake we met what was that called and he leans back and he yells like lake monotalk or whatever winnabana wanatalk yeah and they all go like yeah how did how did he hear us i think that is the creepiest thing to do <laughs> is in a conversation you're not part of in another room answer your fiance's question by being like yeah i heard you and they should be more like well that's not okay that's a red flag julia because then i would think they would all have the same thought of does he know every word we have spoken this entire time right and it's like they've been like sort of gossiping and right, fun, right. you know poking fun at her past relationships right and yeah my first thought was has he been listening this whole time apparently yes julia leave this man <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah. romance corner now romance we're here. Corner. Mm, yes i'm going to say first before you get a chance to rain on this parade uh-huh. i found the relationship so so good and believable there is some like it doesn't get a ton of screen time but there's something about you can really tell that he really likes her thinks the world of her yes she obviously really likes him as well yeah and i think it makes the other intense moments pay off because i really believe in their chemistry and i think their relationship is like there's a believability to it, whereas like as a married man myself, there's something that feels written correctly about like he comes back right, from that mission or he's about to go to a mission and he kind of like whispers like, hey, I forgot to tell you I have to leave town. And she like sleepily says, oh, it's so sudden. And like these other like r- really quick little bits about he shows up to work or he knows the people she works with and like appears every once in a while. I thought they laid the background with very limited screen time to say, like, this is a real relationship with real love and affection. Yeah, I th- I agree. I think the relationship plays off super well. You know, there's the scene where I think they're on a rooftop or something. Yep. And she's asking him, you know, what is going on? Like, she's obviously perspective. I teared up a little. I teared up a little. Again, it's an airplane. So I believe yeah, right, that yeah. tears come a little easier on the plane. Your phone was was dead. And so, you my know, phone you was dead, but emotion. I was just watching this on my computer, and I did tear <laughs> up because the acting's great in that in that scene. But her being like, 
Am I ever going to be able to understand what this yeah. is? I need you to trust me. Tell me it's real. And it's so, like, heartwarming that yeah. basically he can't tell her. But he needs her to know, like, listen, I'm not, like, cheating on you. This is not my relationship yeah. with you is real. Which, man, it takes a lot of trust on her part to just be like, okay, I, okay. Right. But I believed it. Like, I believed her believing him. And so that was great. Yep. I thought it was, I thought it was very good, which makes the moments where I think I would have liked a little bit more. I like the the movie trope where the spouse learns about what the other spouse does in like a dramatic, like you're a superhero the whole time or whatever. Like Mr. and Mrs. Smith kind of thing. Like I think I would have liked a little bit more of like, wait, what? You're an agent? Okay. Side character time. I just want to say I love- You want to talk about Luther Stickle again? <laughs> Simon Pegg as Benji makes his first appearance in this movie. So glad he's in the rest of them. I think he and Luther Stickle are a great pair, but I love seeing Lawrence Fishburne as like the director guy in this movie. Like the few lines he has are hilarious and he's a great presence on screen. And I just wonder why did they let all these great people go be, like play, play a role like Anthony Hopkins in Mission Impossible 2 and then you got Lawrence Fishburne in three and then you never see him again. And I would have liked to see Lawrence Fishburne in another Mission Impossible. Lawrence Fishburne made me forget about Anthony Hopkins because he was yes. so good. Yes. He had some great lines in this in this movie. Yeah, he's great. And like, why can't I have? I know. Why can't I have the Judy Dench of Mission Impossible? Mm, that's so good, right? I guess I guess Alec Baldwin was in two movies. Ugh. He was in maybe three. But no, it should have been Lawrence Fishburne all the way. It's all Absolutely. Him and Anthony Hopkins can both be in it. Co- yeah, that's co-directors. Right. There, there's, there's room for everybody. Room for everybody. Uh, I did actually forget the switcheroo. I thought for sure that Lawrence Fishburne was the bad guy. Oh. Like I had for, I'd forgotten that. Uh, and not Billy Crudup. <laughs> I forgot Billy Crudup was the actual bad guy. And so I was able to enjoy that twist one more time. Because I was actually telling my whole family as we were watching like, yeah, don't you get it? The call came from his office. That's why he. we know he's the bad guy. <laughs> and then Billy Crudup shows up on screen. It's like, oh, shoot, I've steered you all wrong. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> you you red herring to your own family. <laughs> yeah, I red herring myself. I'd forgotten. So anyway. A quick gripe oh. about side characters. Okay. I could have used a little more Maggie Q in future movies. I'm a huge fan of Paula Patton, as you know. Mm-hmm. But I think Maggie Q as... Uh, Zen, yes, I think is yes. her character name. Um, I thought she was great. I mean, she didn't really have much to do. They gave her like one little line when she's like saying this prayer while Ethan Hunt's in there stealing the rabbit's foot. Right. But I really could have used more Maggie Q in future movies. I did not care for Jonathan Reese Myers. Like, I did yeah. not care. For, like, I don't think his <laughs> character brought anything to the table. I completely agree on both of those. I think Maggie Q is great in the action scenes too. Because when, yeah. rescu- when they do the first rescue mission to rescue Carrie Russell right. as the you know other agent, yeah, Maggie Q is amazing. And that whole scene is like really good. Very intense. Right. We don't need to talk too much about Lindsay Ferris or Carrie Russell because I believe we talked about her a little bit in the last yeah, we did. episode we did on Mission Impossible. <laughs> but did. I have to reiterate, just in case you aren't listening to the full unbroken 
canonical set of Mott's mm, episodes. That's right. I think his platonic relationship with Lindsay Ferris as the mentor, the big brother figure, is really, really sweet. Not seen enough in movies like this. Right. Even I noticed, because I've literally watched this movie more than... I don't know, seven times in my life. <laughs> this time I noticed that when he gives her the adrenaline at, when he's rescuing her and he like yeah. p- puts the needle right in her heart or whatever, right, right. he kind of winces himself. Yes. Like, I know this is not going to feel good to you and I'm like feeling your pain. I, I don't want to have to do this to you. Sure. I sure. thought that was a nice acting touch at that moment. The one moment I didn't like about their relationship is actually when Ving Rhames like interrogates him about their relationship and basically like tries to imply that there's no way Tom Cruise didn't have a relationship with her. I feel like that scene was weird and we didn't need it. Oh, I, I thought the, okay. The script choice during that was a little strange. Maybe it doesn't, right. Right. doesn't come across super well, but I do think that it is a, it's interesting to have a character kind of do what audiences and maybe Hollywood would do is be like, listen, if you're two attractive people, in these movies we just assume you're together together and not just friends so i thought it was a decent concept yeah the scene could have been better though yeah okay so the final scene of this movie again very suspenseful i like how philip seymour hoffman makes the charge start going off so tom cruise is kind of like at a disadvantage yes and it makes that fight scene more believable because originally it's like Philip Seymour Hoffman and Ethan Hunt, like in a in a just hand to hand combat with nothing in right <laughs> Ethan Hunt's head, like about to explode. Like Ethan Hunt's gonna win, obviously. But the way that they did that was, I think, good, and it made it more compelling. Right. I think that actually, yeah, it leveled the playing field somewhat. I thought that whole scene of him, there's a little bit of comedy almost during that scene as he's trying to instruct julia how to like shoot the gun and right 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 and then he's looking for a way to like defibrillate himself right i don't know about as far as plot holes i'm not sure about just straight up electrocuting yourself and then being like all right bring me me back cpr (laughs) and also the fact that julia then can like shoot those other two guys i mean it takes her a couple shots but that She's like just good doing it. Yeah. Right after while time. he's laying there on the floor. I mean, she seems very capable. What do you think about her resuscitation of Ethan Hunt? Do you buy that? I mean, I know the chest compressions themselves didn't quite look strong enough, but do they tell you at the end if if all else fails to do a hammer fist to the chest? You know, I think that might actually be a thing. I could be wrong. I'm not a doctor. Yeah, you, I mean, it might you know. be. I think it is a thing. I don't know why she didn't. I'm not CPR certified, actually. I so. thought she was going to electrocute him again. Yeah. That's, what, that's actually what I thought was going to happen. Like, just shock him again. That's what you do. One more time. Yeah, one more time. Did you have the thought after that scene was kind of over and <laughs> Ethan Hunt and Julia are, like, walking across a bridge in China or whatever, that, like, she still has a thing in her head? Like, Julia still has a, an <gasps> explosive pill in her head. She does? Yeah, because Philip Seymour Hoffman. No, I don't think she ever did. I don't think she ever got one. I think Philip Seymour Hoffman said that he put one in there, and I yeah, guess he put it one in his translator, who he was was in the Julia mask. Translator who was in the Julia mask. Like what? the first scene, the first scene where Philip Seymour Hoffman shoots her. It's not actually Julia. It's his old, it's his old or head of security translator woman. Remember, he pulls off the mask. Oh, Julia's not really dead. Okay, 
I guess I missed that part. Interesting. You know, that whole countdown scene and he shoots No, 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 no. I remember now. I, for some reason, I didn't make that connection. I thought she still had one of those pills in her head. I mean. And they were just going to have to get the IMF to pull <sighs> it out or something. Yeah, that's, maybe. That's all. But, yeah. but then, you know, Phyllis Seymour Hoffman wasn't alive to activate it, so it wasn't a danger. I don't know. I just want to say, too, as they're walking across that bridge, I think this is the first time we hear Ethan Hunt say the name of the mission force that he's a part of. Yes. Because Julia's like, so what? what are you? What is this? He's like, well, it's the IMF. She's like, the IMF? He says, the Impossible Mission Force. What does that stand for? Impossible Mission Force. Shut up. And I'm like, that sounds so weird coming out of his mouth. And she laughs, no, no. and she laughs at it, which <laughs> has to be a pullover from like the old TV show. of, oh. And they had to give like a, yeah, we know it's, we know it's, uh, we yeah. call it IMF too. <laughs> we know so that, that it sounds yeah. weird if you... Said it. That was pretty funny. Here's what I want to say about this movie. Mm-hmm. What you want to say? I think this is the right amount mm-hmm. of action. What you say? Let's <laughs> call back to our Lord of the Rings episode. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I think this movie is the right amount of action, talking, suspense. Yes. I think this movie has the right amount of everything in it. Yes. Now I know movies can err on the side of action, and you and I. You especially, but we're okay with it. But I think there are action set pieces, but they're spaced out enough that they're impactful. Right. And there's not action scenes for no good reason. Yes. Does that make sense? Like, I never feel like you're just giving me a shooty, shooty scene because I haven't had one in a while. (laughs) And you're like dosing me with Flintstone gummy violence. (laughs) (laughs) Those are some words. (laughs) Yeah. I get you know, no no shooty shooty. Does that does that make sense? Shooty shooty. Yeah. No, I think it's I think it's a great balance. Yeah, for sure. I do have a problem with J.J. Abrams' style in this. So J.J. Abrams is the director. Right. He did Lost and Alias, and but this was his first movie he ever directed. Oh, really? Interesting. Right after this movie, a couple years later, he did that Star Trek reboot, which I liked as well. Yeah. I liked it. But. On this viewing, maybe it's because I was looking at a laptop that was 16 inches from my head. <laughs> I do have to say there's something about J.J. Abrams' movie. He it has quite a bit of lens flare, which I think it got out of control in Star Trek somewhat, as people have said. Yes. He loves the lens flare. He likes There's lens a flares. little bit too much shaky cam slash fast cuts every once in a while. Especially mm. like the car scene, for example. Or there are a couple action scenes in the hand-to-hand stuff where I was just like, just stay on a shot for more than a quarter of a second. Like, I just need a little bit more time to soak this in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or in that plane when it starts shaking and everything's shaking. Very shaking. I got a little bit Abrams fatigued by the shaky Mm, cam. Yeah, for sure. I get that. So that's a little bit of a knock against this movie for me. Okay. Time to rate it. On a scale of zero to five, rabbit foots. Mm. Rabbit feet. Rabbit's foot. Did you like that they never told us what this MacGuffin does or is? Did you like that? <sighs> kind of, because like Benji has this scene where he's like, when I was in university, I had a professor that used to talk about this thing that would one day kill the entire earth and it would be unstoppable and this could be the rabbit's foot. And then like the rabbit's foot actually has like this nuclear symbol on it. Right. And we're like, oh, that could kill the entire world. So... I kind of wanted to know what it was, but I think I'm okay not knowing. Like, I think I was fine. Because they're all, every movie has a MacGuffin. Sometimes they name it, right. and they'll tell you what it'll actually do. <laughs> Most of the times it's just a bomb, 
you know, it's just like a, a different kind of bomb or something. So I think I was, I was good. An Artemis Fowl, it's a magical acorn. Was that even in the movie? I know you tried to forget that movie, and I'm back to remind <laughs> you that we watched Artemis Fowl. <laughs> I'm back. All right. So on a scale of zero to five, Rabbit's Foot, like Attorney's General. Mm. Give the, yeah, you like that? I'm going to give this movie, what did we give Fallout? That had a high mark, mm-hmm. but this is good too. But we're different people now. We're different people. <laughs> I feel like you're going to go super high. You're going to go super high. And so I think I'm going to say... Wait, hold on a second. Do you want me to go first? Do you feel like I need to... Uh, yeah, okay, 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 okay. Yeah, you go Just first. Just see if, I, if you need to balance me? Yeah, you go first, because I, cause I went first last time. So go ahead. Okay. I will give Mission Impossible, Mission colon Impossible hyphen, I don't know. <laughs> Roman I I I. Yes. I will give it four rabbit's foot. Yes. Rabbit's foot. Rabbit's Rabbit feet. Foots. Rabbit's yeah. foots. I will give it a solid four. This movie is highly rewatchable for me. Yes. yes I think yes. it's great. I think there are parts. The reason why I'm not giving it a four and a half because that was my kind of my first inclination is four and a half. Sometimes the style is not great, and other times I do think although it has a twist, I think the twist itself is kind of a little lazy. Mm. Like it. It's a little convoluted how Billy Crudup's like, yeah, we want to work with him, and then this way we can go to war or something. Yeah, weird. And I don't know. The America will do what it does best. I just remember that line. I don't know what he's <laughs> referring to. But America. the whole twist and the whole, like, I liked there to be breadcrumbs so I can look back and be like, oh, I should have known he was kind of bad. And I think this, this movie was like, eh, Billy Crudup's bad. You should have known because he's a bad guy in movies. Yeah, Ta-da. but there was no explanation or backstory, really. I mean, he was just basically saying, like, this. Ju- I justify this because there's always a bad guy, so better to control the bad right. guy, something like that. I do think, okay, maybe this is what I'm saying. It's a solid four because I don't think the MacGuffin added anything to this movie. The stakes were high enough with the Julia kidnapping. He could have just been a normal dude doing normal, you know, arms dealing or whatever. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think all of that was superfluous, but I think the romance corner was amazing. I thought the swapping out, the good amount of mask work, yep. good shooty shooty work, yep. good bridge work, good drama, solid four. Well, you know what? I'm going to agree, Nate. I feel like four, I was going to do that, and then I was going to do like 3.75 to really get Tom going if he still is listening. Mm. But... I'm going to agree. I'm going to say four. This is a solid Mission Wait, Impossible. Maybe I should bump it up to 4.25. No, 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 no. Now don't, that I'm thinking about no, it. No, 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 no. You don't have to change your rating. Do you remember the scene where he runs through, is it Shanghai? On the rooftops? He run, no, he runs through the, I, I might bump it up. To, okay. Everyone, I'm bumping this movie up to 4.25 for <laughs> one shot and one shot alone. This is what okay. gets it over the top. Okay. The best Tom Cruise running shot oh, yeah. of any movie he's been in yeah. is him running under in this like balcony yeah, yeah, veranda yeah. Like, market, market area. Yes. And yes, the yes. camera is flying outside of this structure. Yes. and But it's staying on him yes and stuff is whizzing by him while he pumps his arms furiously his arms and his legs for a a good 15 seconds it may be the best running clip from any movie ever it is really good i feel like in fallout 
when he's running to catch Henry Cavill before he goes up that elevator. Mm, that's awesome. And Tom good. Cruise is like running along the River Thames. Like, that's a good one. And also, when he's running through that dust storm to catch the guy in Ghost Protocol. But you can't tell his too. speed as I think the, the right, whirring right. market really shows like the dude's booking. Can I tell you, every time we see Tom Cruise running, I turn to my kids and I say, This is a national pastime, kids. Tom Cruise running. <laughs> This is America's pastime. You turn to your kids and say, (laughs) don't say I never gave you anything. (laughs) That's right. Well, anyway, Nate, we will agree. Four out of five rabbit's feet. Solid Mission Impossible. Sets the tone for the future Mission Impossible. Now, you said rabbit's feet. You're the one who said rabbit's Rabbit's feet. You said attorney's general. I said rabbit's foot that last time, I thought. No, you didn't. Well, good. At least we have tape. Yeah, yeah. I have a a cassette tape. I have a cassette tape rolling right here. I got a a reel-to-reel recording this thing. Rabbit's feet. Rabbit's feet. <laughs> Listeners, tell us, is this your favorite Mission Impossible? Which one would you like us to review next? Because we're totally not going in order. We've done six, two, and three so far. I'll put links to those episodes in the description of this podcast if you'd like to see that. But let us know what you thought. Comment on our Instagram at movies on the side there. You can support the show on patreon.com slash movies on the side and directly in Apple Podcasts. You can even get a three day free trial in Apple Podcasts and listen to some of our bonus episodes. Today, Nate recalls a harrowing story of his flight to Los Angeles and devices and ooh, just gives me chills just thinking about it. Anyway, you should check you should definitely check out our bonus episodes there. And if you haven't yet Give us a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. And as we always say, please don't interrupt me when I'm asking rhetorical questions. In the Robles home, you stan Luther Stickle. Is that what the kids say? What? Did I do that right? What did you say? You stan? Stan? Like S-T-A-N? Yeah. Oh, I have man, no idea what you're talking oh, about. I have no idea what that is. I'm going to leave that in. I seem old and you seem like my grandfather. <laughs>